welcome to the Six Again podcast, your new destination for all things NRL. Here to bring you everything from team news to best bets are your hosts, Adam Hoy and Jared Mutton. Let's kick off. Before we start today's episode, we just want to put our thoughts and prayers towards the best family. Unfortunately, a man known as Dale Best, he was 34 years old, played reserve grade for Richard or Swans, passed away yesterday, the 20th of February, 2021, in a trial game at Kiwana. Uh, Mr. Best made a tackle and fell to the ground. He did try to get back up. Once he got to his knees, he collapsed again. Two medical officers did CPR on him on the field until paramedics arrived, but sadly he passed away in hospital later that afternoon. Um, there's nothing else really to be said except for that it's obviously saddening and, uh, and very disappointing to hear. We feel for Mr. Best's family and his friends, as well as his teammates and other players that were on the field. And our thoughts and prayers are with you and hope you get through this and see you on the other side. Welcome into Six Again. My name's Adam, my mate's Jared, we're a couple of league fans out of sunny coast Queensland, Australia. This is our Sunday episode, another one of our 2021 team season previews, and we'll get to that and much more later on. But first of all, I haven't heard from Jared all weekend, and what have you been up to, buddy? Well, the week before I went camping, and then last week was this, I was working 12-hour days at work, plus some family stuff was going on. So we had a whole heap of plans this weekend, you know, clean up the house, make sure it's all presentable and stuff. We ended up sitting there watching a TV series from to about 2 a.m. yesterday morning and then continued on about 11 o'clock this morning again. Brilliant. Yeah, no, nah, that, that, that was it. I don't want to say. Oh, come on. <laughs> it was I want to know. Oh, my God. <laughs> We're up to season five, okay? Maddie watches that. Maddie's my wife for any new listeners. She's watched that show from beginning to end, and every time she watches a new episode, I'm like, you are single-handedly keeping this show alive because I know not one other person who still watches this. Well, there you go. You know more now. That, yeah, we just, that is we not just the started up. I was expecting. We were starting it up and... Just kept going with it. It was, it was just a, uh, you know, you, everyone would understand when you have a million plans, million things you want to do, and then no, 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 no. no one understands when you've got that much and you decide to sit down and watch Grey's Anatomy, like with Scrubs. I, I'd be... Oh, we've we've done that a million times. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't... How about you, Adam? How are Other you? Hospital shows. I'm not a big TV show guy. But anyway, uh, what did I do this weekend? Um, we're hopefully getting very close to finally finishing the paperwork on our house. So we spent Saturday morning buying stuff to replace the stuff that we sold. And oh, fun. I, so it was just Maddie and I went out. Uh, the kids stayed home with the nan and pop. And it was kind of nice. Just got to crank the tunes and stuff while driving. And Go old school. Yeah. when the Back in, back in the days of Adam's old van. Yeah, it was sick. It was actually a really fun morning. And then in the afternoon, 
Oh, what did we do Saturday afternoon? Can't remember. I came back and we picked up a huge dolls house for Annabelle, which Atticus ended up playing in for an hour and a bit with all his cars and Annie's dolls because she was still asleep. And then we watched Pocahontas with the kids and they loved it. Oh, and watched the outdoor game in the NHL. They set up an ice rink on Lake Tahoe up in Nevada in the mountains, but it was too sunny. So they could only get through one period to start with. So it's one of the oh. sports where a Did beautiful you... day will wreck it. But you watched the footy though, didn't you? Oh, yeah, and Saturday night, of course. In, Indigenous All-Stars game. And it was – I always look forward to it. It's one of my favourite games of the whole whole calendar, and it's the first one. Atticus stayed up and watched the intro with the, the war dancers, the tribal dancers, and he was just in awe, just – wide-eyed going oh this is so cool asking us why they were dancing and what was all the all the weapons they were holding all that sort of stuff and then yeah so in my defense i am going to say this though that during the during the um football last night we actually went and picked up my partner's grandfather who's been going through a bit and took him to the dinner last night so at the, during the football, bar. I was not watching Grey's Anatomy, okay? Just saying. Yeah, all right. <laughs> today, spent the morning with my daughter while Maddie took Atticus out shopping. And then from 12.30 to 5, played a double header of baseball. And I have bruises and scratches and stuff all over me. The worst game of baseball I've ever played was the first game. And we still won. And the second game, we're pretty wrecked, but put in a pretty good showing, but went down. So our season record stands at 1-1-1. One, one, and one. So drew our game. Oh, awesome. Yeah, good bunch of fellas and, and girls and got home and hung out with the kids and Maddie cooked burgers and here we are. That intro went for yeah. ages. Sorry <laughs> for the people that are just here for the football. We are going to get to it right after this very quick break. Alrighty, and before we get cracking on the news, I'm gonna get cracking on this beer. So I've been having a, I've been having a little bang over the weekend. Um little bang each night actually. Little bang brewing. And this one is called Undercover Fashion Police. It's a New England IPA. And I had their sour IPA last night. That was strange. But I got through, I quite enjoyed it in the end. Oh, and that smells like what I've been needing all afternoon. All right, this is going to be fun. Okay, let's start with a new injury. There seems to be a new one to keep us going each episode, unfortunately. Broncos veteran Dale Copley is out for at least six weeks after suffering a throat injury in their trial game against the Manly. He's undergone a laryngoscopy after scans revealed he had dislocated cartilage and a small fracture. Uh, in his throat. So feel for Dale there. That would be extremely painful. Sorry. And also Michael Oldfield is out for six weeks after injuring his knee in their trial win over the Dragons. Everything else we have covered. So I think Copley was definitely in line to be pushing for a starting spot in the Broncos back line. Uh, I'd say Michael Oldfield would probably be, I guess, one of the broader options for Parramatta, but no, uh, oh, he definitely would have played there. this year. Yeah, he would have played at some point, but it's six weeks, yeah. so time running it back. 
Uh, a couple of suspensions, sorry, one suspension, one fine out of the Indigenous uh, and Maori All-Stars game. Zane Musgrove, who had a very mixed night, we're going to say, brought lots of intensity, lots of enthusiasm, but also had a couple of brain snaps along the way. Full-on shoulder charge, didn't even try to wrap his arms at all. He's going to miss the start of the season. I believe he's getting three weeks. Yeah, he lined him up from about league. ten meters away. Too. Yeah. Like he, he was trying to he, change the momentum of the game. Yeah, it was really bad actually. Um, look, I he, he didn't it didn't affect the other players. Just bounced yeah. off and kept going. But with the rules now, yeah, can't do that shit. And he's also received a three. Uh, sorry, he was also sin binned uh, for that during the game. And Mary teammate, Dallin Wittenny Zelezniak was charged with a grade one careless high tackle on Alex Johnson. He's facing a fine of between $1,350 and $1,800. So lucky dip there for Dallin Wittenny Zelezniak. No news with regards to signings outside of the Broncos making it official that they have interest in signing Cameron Smith. Like we well weren't expecting that. Um, Cam is aware we are interested as quoted by Kevin Walters. Supposedly, Broncos have space on their roster and money under the cap, but they're not really sure if they'll get in because it's a mystery to everyone, says the Broncos. So, Gold Coast have also confirmed that they have the best part of $600,000 of salary cap open. Honestly, the longer this goes, the less I see him playing. Like, we know he's going to be an immortal, a future immortal. Uh Within two weeks before the season starts, it's a very minimal amount of time to get in, get your match fitness and learn the games. I'll learn that team's plays and that. But if anyone's going to do it within two weeks, it'd be Smith. But even match fitness is going to be an issue. Who knows where this one's go, but it's pretty much down to two teams. He did make a public appearance, filling in for Craig Bellamy at a conference at Alex Head Surf Club on the sunny coast because Bellamy couldn't get up, get up here because of COVID, etc. And that's when he was asked about it again. What do you say? It's a strange one. I'm feeling physically really good. I still enjoy my footy, um, but I've got a big decision to make. So take that. Yeah. Um, I wonder when he told Melbourne that he wasn't going to play for it. Because as we said has last he? podcast, Melbourne. Sorry? Has he though? Well, he has because they announced him the captain. Like last podcast, we mentioned that Melbourne in the next 20, 40, 24 hours are going to announce their two captain, two new captains, which was Dale Finucane and Jesse Bromwich, which they now have, which I reckon is great. The two captains just walk on. Perfect captains for any club. Yeah. But I wonder when he told Melbourne that he was going to do that. Um, look, everyone, everyone said they haven't talked to him. That's bullshit. That <laughs> Everyone's talking. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so Manly's he's, looking he's for a hooker, Cam. That's <laughs> um, um, yeah. I, I, I'm not a fan of the fact it's this close to the season he hasn't done it. Um, I've said all along that he has the right to choose, but yep. the unknowing part of things is probably doing a lot of people's heads in. It's not really helping everyone's preparation. All right, but we'll, we'll continue to keep an ear out as everyone else will. So the ARL has been quite busy the last few days. Uh, this is not going to be in mainstream media, I guess, but the Australian Rugby League Commission 
have been trying to settle an agreement with Michael Fuller, who's the commissioner of the New South Wales Police, with regards to taking a position on the ARLC board. However, uh, he's not going to be able to join the commission considering it's a conflict of interest. He can't hold both positions while still being on the uh, board of New South Wales Police. Uh, all that sort of stuff, especially if, like, obviously, if a player or a coach or whatever gets involved in uh, an arrest or anything like that, there'll be a conflict of interest. So he can't hold both positions at once. Supposedly, Peter Vlandy's really wanted him for his skills, experience, and value that he would bring to the game. Outside of that, James Seguiaro is a name that's been thrown up a little bit the last couple of days with regards to clubs needing a hooker or a backup hooker. His name got thrown up there. The Anti-Doping Tribunal has imposed a 20-month suspension on James Seguiaro. Uh, this dates back to 2019, where he was banned for using a banned substance, uh, being Ligandrol, uh, which aids in muscle repair and recovery. He did test positive to the substance. However, the tribunal found that Mr. Seguiaro bore... While, while he bore a significant degree of responsibility, he had not intentionally tainted it as there was residue left in the blender of a housemate that Mr. Seguiaro then used. So therefore, he is entitled to a reduced sanction under the wider code. So 20 months was his suspension as opposed to... I don't know how that got proven. Eh, it's a tribunal. <laughs> yeah, I'm I guess, I guess his that. housemate would have... He's probably like, you know, hits gym and it's like, it could have been a powder or I don't know. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Seguiaro's suspension is taken to have commenced on the date of his provisional suspensions, so the 3rd of October 2019. So he will be able to be, I guess, signed and play as of the 2nd of June 2021. Now, the last one, this has been the most recent with regards to Corey Norman's incident walking home from, what was it, dinner uh, a couple of weeks back. A group of men approached his group and then threatened to draw a knife or did draw a knife. Uh, I believe it was a threat. Anyway, a fight ensued. Who was the other one with Corey Norman? I think it was Seguiaro. Yeah, it was. Wasn't it? That's right. Yeah. Um, the notice proposes Norman is fined $20,000 and suspended for two matches with one of those matches suspended for a period of 12 months. Norman must also undergo education and training. Now, this is a very, I guess, blanket suspension. It's very black and white with regards to the laws and policies that are put down by the NRL with regards to players. Uh, this is from Andrew Abdo as quoted. We accept that there was a degree of provocation which led to the incident, but as a game, we have been very clear that provocation is not an excuse to engage in a street fight. Our players are role models for younger people in our community and they need to set the example of how to respond in such circumstances. I get that. I really do. If the threat of a knife was legit, you, you, you'd have to say you'd, he'd put himself in a position to defend himself. Oh, 100%. Um, yeah, this is... Well, what's he what going to do? Get stabbed or run away and yeah. throw it? Like it's, I've said all along that people should be suspended, but it should be based on individual circumstances. Yeah, so this this is this is what the NRL is doing. I'm liking it the fact that they're going, look, yes, I understand what's happened, but unfortunately we're putting the blanket ban on anything now. So you you have to cop a ban. 
I don't think that training is going to be too in depth for him, and the club's probably going to fork out a bit for that fine. So yes, yeah. Norman does have five days to respond to the breach notice. However, this will also go on his record now, but he will be missing at least one game as it stands. And 20 bucks, that uh, 20 bucks, 20 grand lighter in the pocket. All right, on to uh, the big game of the weekend. There were a number of trials. If you follow our Twitter account, I was retweeting every time a result came up. We're not going to go into all those games in depth. They are trials. The point of it is getting minutes in the legs of the players. No key injuries out of that outside of Dale Copley. So hopefully no more to come in next rounds, next week's round of matches. But the big one over the weekend was obviously the All-Stars game up in Townsville in front of, I got three different numbers from the same broadcast, 26, 25, or over 20,000 supporters, which is still awesome how the world is uh, at the moment, just below capacity. On a very, very wet night. Uh, if you watch the game leading up to and during the game, there was heavy rainfall. And I, I love the fact that both coaches came out beforehand and said, we're not going to change the way we've been training. Uh, we're going to go for it anyway. And both teams did. There was some choice, choice ball being thrown around. That probably shouldn't have been in the circumstances, but it made for an entertaining, albeit not the highest quality game over the 80 minutes but there were flashes of <laughs> it was a 10-all draw in the end uh james fisher harris thought he'd given the game away he gave away a pretty dumb penalty on his line where he jumped out and tackled the marker before they'd actually pick the ball up and then put his hands up as good props too and go huh uh wondering what he did wrong cody walker the captain of the indigenous all-stars took the two to tie it up at 10 all didn't get the message from Laurie Daly as coach to go for the try because there's no golden point in the all-stars game. So Walker said afterwards, he thought that there was golden point. Hence why he tied it up at 10 all, which makes sense. Whereas Daly's from the point of view, Maori's already had the trophy. Indigenous all-stars had to win to get it. And so he said, go for the win, but the message didn't get there in time. And so uh, Mary All-Stars hold on to the trophy for another year. For a 10-all game, it was really entertaining. It, yeah. Um, there was yeah, momentum shifts. Mary seemed look like they were kind of controlling it. Indigenous All-Stars came back and Fogarty threw a pass that Mar- Joseph Manu read perfectly. He's not the fastest runner in the world, Joseph Marnie. Luckily, he had Dalen Wittenny as the last knack on the It looked like he was jogging. No, oh, he was. Dead front hours. No, oh, he was. Like, you could see. That's why he passed it off. He's like, I'm yeah. not going to. There's a chance I'm not going to make it. Because he had uh, Latrell and Alex Johnson gaining on him. Latrell actually. Yeah, had, it, it, it honestly looked like he was jogging. Oh. Because how quickly they caught up. It was just free. My, my favorite part, like, I watched majority, you know, the extended highlights, which went for about 30 minutes. Um, the coolest part was the respect throughout. Like, at the, at the start of the game, you had the Harker, and they all hugged and um, done all that after both of their Harkers. Mm. And then there was a bit of argy-bargy throughout the game. Where they yeah, there was. Each other's faces. There was a bit of words thrown. But right at the end of the game, there was so much respect for each other's cultures, each other. And it was just, it was just awesome to watch. There's no animosity. And look, I understand it was 10 all and the Mary's, because they had the shield. 
but the indigenous boys weren't mad mad about the result. They were just like, oh, sweet, we played a good game. Um, represented our culture really well. Let's keep going. Like it wasn't it wasn't over, but Daly came out and said that it should have test match test match rules. They as the same state of origin. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Golden point. Yeah, um, I agree hundred percent. It should have they should have had that golden point or even extra time or some way to win the game um, just to get the finale out of the way because if those boys, the way they were throwing that ball around. If that came down the golden point, that would have been absolutely epic. I think, you, or even golden try for those guys, that would be epic. Oh yeah, golden try. I've always loved that idea. Um, mm. David Kidwell mirrored your statements there in the press conference when he got asked about the uh, James Fisher Harris tackle. He was saying, "Yeah, the result, the results a result, but it's not really that important. This game's about." The two cultures, the two special cultures, the lead up, the camaraderie, the importance to the community and the work they do in the community through that whole week leading up to it. So the result really didn't mean anything to him, even though he seems the one that retained the trophy. It, The start of the game, and Sandy, who's been on our podcast before, had never seen this game before. So there were rugby league fans jumping on her, um, her question, explaining what it's all about. And she said she loved the introduction, the, the Maori's haka, the uh, Australian Aboriginal war dances. They, they were brilliant. Like my son's four years old, can't sit through a footy game yet, but he was just glued to the TV with those two um, dancers. So we are going for the Indigenous All-Stars. And he's going, why is the bad team yelling, like talking about the Maori team? We're like, oh, they're trying, they're showing the passion. They're, they're really excited to play. And it was a brutal hack. I'd never seen that one. And it, it was awesome and completely different style to the Australian where it was much more, I guess, graceful, but with the weapons. And it, I had goosebumps by the oh, end of that go. And this is going to be brilliant. I, co- I love the fact that the, the indigenous all stars actually threw their spears at the Mary's feet. Mm. I don't know, it was awesome. Like the hacker ended I, up right up, right up. Yeah, but when they came up, they're, they're, they're like, <clears throat> you know, shadowing, throwing the um, yeah. spear, and then at the end, it's threw it at the pillow. Like, oh shit! Yeah. Awesome. Hope you didn't. Lucky they didn't slip. It's. <laughs> I do hope they call it the Aboriginal All Stars and the Maori All Stars next year. Indigenous gets a bit using, but it, it, like I said, it wasn't the game. The game wasn't up to the highest level the whole way through, and you expect that. It's the first real hit out for a lot of these players yeah. this year. Some of these players didn't even play last year because they were from Q Cup, New South Wales Cup, with regards to like the amount of players that couldn't play. And the, there were some players that stood out. Latrell Mitchell did a couple of things. His grubber for Alex Johnson to score was really nice touch on his left foot. I'm not sure what foot he usually kicks with. I don't watch enough. Latrell, he's a left footer. Oh, he's a lefty. Yeah, it looked very natural. Uh, Alex Johnson was all over that. And he looked quite good. Dylan Walker played in the centres. Did some good things. Did some not so good things that come with a bit of rust. Uh, overran a couple of balls. Um... James Fisher-Harris got the Preston Campbell medal for best on ground, and you could see that he had a ripper of a game. Tell you what, uh, 
trying to think of his name now. Oh, bloody hell. Joseph Manu didn't get a lot of ball, but when he did, he really made it count. Jack White was a bit off sorts. David Fafita, that's the one. He was trying to get over, and J- Jordan Riki, they, they had a good little a good little battle. Fafita was blowing. He said, man, this is this is fast. Because they got the new six again rule with regards to the 10-meter offside. So that got called a couple of times. And yeah, it, it got scattered and scrappy at times, but there was some really enterprising play from both teams, which was which was good to see. It was just a really fun, energetic, enjoyable night. Yeah, it was, it was, we wish I was able to watch live, but the and I look, I just loved the result. It was good, but yeah, hopefully the standard picks up and they get a bit gets a bit better. <laughs> first couple of rounds. Yeah, it will. Like the the first couple of rounds won't be. They'll be played at speed, but they won't have the passion that. Oh yeah. That was shown last night. I think one of the the funniest moment though had to go to when Jonathan Thurston was interviewing Alex Johnson after Alex Johnson's try, and having Thurston as a sideline interviewer, you, you know something's going to happen, and he's going, "Oh, Johnson had." Scoring a try, it wasn't mean to you, rah, rah, rah. And Johnson said something along the lines of, yeah, third appearance, oh, I'm just, yeah, you're going to try fucking, yeah, oh, whoops. And then just <laughs> laughing. And then I think someone in the comments is like the, oh, what do you say, the something of live TV. It was hilarious. But Johnson was just like, as soon as he said it, had his hand over his mouth, it was like a little cartoon, he's all embarrassed. And then he got subbed off anyway. So rotating the bench. But he was just, oh, yeah, fucking, oh. <gasps> Really stoked. <laughs> it was so good. I was on the couch just going, oh, this is brilliant. Yeah. It, it I, I've always preferred that kind of stuff. Yeah, so it, much better than, yeah, it's good. I love it. It was in the moment. You could see he was so excited. It was just the words were coming out of his mouth before he could think. In the women's game earlier in the night, uh, the Maoris were quite comprehensive in a 24-0 victory. Five tries to none. And this was without all of the New Zealand players who couldn't get over here. Uh, the star of the show was Racine McGregor for the Mary team, scoring a double, but really good performances as well out of 18-year-old Maya Moana and also Zahara Tamara and front row Rona Peters. So the Mary All-Star women now hold a two-to-one uh, edge over the Indigenous All-Star women who did win 10-4 last year. But the women's haka as well i'm just looking at some of the still images on my other screen here pretty intense All right. yeah that is so intense like, i see some of their hits go man i'm so glad i'm not out there because <laughs> it's steamrolled by i'm not going to just say the forwards some of the backs as well but yeah yeah what wasn't as obviously as close a game as the as the men's but i love the fact that the women's all-stars game is on on the same night i wish it was a bit closer with regards to time because theirs started at four and the guys wasn't till seven something so there's a bit of a gap in between but outside of that two really good matches so that's pretty much got us up to speed with what's happened over the weekend we'll be right back after this short break with our 2021 season preview of the west tigers so west tigers Established 2000, one premiership, zero wooden spoons. Their 2021 captain is a brand new signing in James Tamo. Their 2020 result, they finished 11th 
14 points, seven wins, 13 losses, with an average winning margin that came sixth out of the 16 teams, which was quite impressive. Although they finished, like I said, 11th. Um, inconsistency was an issue. Sorry, consistency was an issue. They were inconsistent. They had, I think, two losing streaks of three games. Sorry, one losing streak of three games and a winning streak of two games. And all the rest were just all over the shop. So win-loss, win-loss, win-win, loss-loss, that sort of season. Nightmare to tip and finish outside the eight again. At least they didn't finish ninth, like their curse. For me, Tigers finished about where I had them. However, if I was a Tigers fan, I'd be pretty disappointed that they finished below both the Titans and the Warriors. Uh, and on different points as well because of Titans having a new coach, what the Warriors went through, and not that much difference with regards to talent over the three teams. I think for a War uh, Tigers fan, they would have wanted to finish above those two teams. How about you, Jared? Yeah, I'm not. Uh, Adam was right. Inconsistency was thing. They were, they were so annoying. Like, they have such young, exciting players. And their forward pack, especially some of those back rows they've got, and they just didn't, like, they didn't have that leadership to perform week in, week out kind of thing. And it really annoyed me. Um, we actually last year spent a lot of time comparing Maguire and Holbrook in the fact that when you didn't play well, you got dropped. Yes. And I think Michael Maguire at points was too extreme. Mm. Too Who was dropping and why he was dropping him, for, which definitely led to their inconsistency. And like we'll get through it in a minute, but the signings for next year, I don't see how that's going to help their consistency for next year. No. It's one of their signings. Like, but yeah, keep moving. I just, yeah, I'm not, they were just annoying, inconsistent. I'm surprised they even made 11th, to be honest. Now, I've been trying to find a weird stat or whatever for each team from the season before. This one's not weird. This one's just concerning. So their, <laughs> home, their home record last year was three and seven, but their away record was four and six. So, Generally, if you can get an away record at 500 or 50% or just below, but be solid at home, you're going to play finals. But if your home record is three and seven, that's 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 an issue considering it's the other team traveling. And I, I like this. Okay, this is probably concerned as well, but I thought this was really cool. So in defense, um, this is just keeping in mind, they, their average winning margin was sixth. The five other teams that had a better average win margin were five of the top six teams, excluding Parramatta. So they attacked really well. However, their defense <laughs> conceded 505 points. Oof. This Check this though. Yet they had the best points differential out of the other two teams level on 14 points. So they let in over 500 but still finished with a better points differential than the other two teams. That were so on. the defense was shit house, but their attack made up for that. But they just yeah. couldn't not not made up for it, but kept it in line. Yes, you know yeah. the, the the other four teams that led in over five hundred points came sixteenth, fifteenth, fourteenth, thirteenth. Yet these guys finished with a points differential of only negative sixty five. 
after le- letting in 505 points. That's just whack. That's so bad. So, they, yeah, they almost cancelled out their defence by how good their offence was uh, in patches. All right. Uh, Jared mentioned ins and outs earlier. This is, to me, the biggest amount of outs with regards to quality oh. all over the field, and, and it's nuts. But we'll talk about the ins first. They got William Kai, uh, signed for 2021. Dane Laurie from Penrith. Now, this is a very highly rated youngster plays fullback. Joel Van Gowie from the Broncos. Um should be a pretty good signing. James Roberts could go either way. Took Amir Simpkins as part of that Cowboys trade. James Tamo coming across from Penrith as well. Kalma Tulagi and Stefano Utakamanu, that massive youngster from Parramatta. He was the one who got in trouble for running up and hugging his family after his debut game last year, I'm pretty sure. So a mixture of experience and kind of unfulfilled potential, I guess, in their ends. You're looking at Laurie, um, Offingawi, Tamo, and Stefano. Now, looking at their outs, oh boy, Josh Alloi, Kane Bradley, Matt Eisenhuth, Harry Grant, albeit he was on loan last year, Robert Jennings, Benji Marshall, Sam McIntyre, Paul Momorowski, Josh Reynolds, Elijah Taylor, have all signed for other clubs. Oliver Clark, um, was released, which I was quite surprised with. Chris Lawrence, Chris McQueen, sorry, Chris Lawrence retired, Chris McQueen and Dylan Smith both released also. Whew. I'm looking at names like Josh Alloi, Matt Eisenhuth, Sam McIntyre. It's hard to get a read on Paul Momorowski, but and Oliver Clark. To me, that those four players I'd happily have at my club. I've had, I've got one at the moment with Alloi signing with me, but. I'm still surprised about them letting go of Eisenhuth. I really am. And that's Penrith's game. I, this, look, no one's really pumping this recruitment drive up too much. I just, every signing they do, what do you do with Moses Zembai? Like, I, I just don't know. Like, he was their captain. He was their 800 grand signing three years ago. And they can't, one, they can't find a position to put him in. And on the other flip side, when there is a position for him, they seem to buy someone who's going to play in that position. So, you know, you've got Laurie. pretty... Yeah, Dane Laurie, James yeah. Roberts. Um, look, there's probably a position in hooker, but Jacob Liddell's got that pretty well sewn up. So I, I don't see... Because I've got him in my starting 17 for round one, but that's only because Adam Dewey's injured. So, like, as soon as Adam Dewey comes back, so and yeah, first he's suspended till round. Oh, sorry, suspended. So that was a conundrum that Michael Maguire had. That he had a captain there, they didn't know where to play him, didn't know where his best position. He's definitely NRL standard. So he bought a captain because James Tarno, like Adam said, is going to run on captain for this year. So Michael Maguire is just doing a complete reboot of this whole squad and buying so many players. But on the other hand, are the players he bought somewhere to build a club around? Like, I understand James Tamo, but Joe Offahengali, look, he had the worst year he's ever had last year. Queensland Oregon. Yeah, I think, went, I think that's a good signing. I think he'll well, be fine. I, I think a new place might help him. Yeah. Um, I'm not overly... I've said this from the start. I'm not overly happy with the signing of James Roberts mm. just because the circumstances behind it. Yeah. But... 
Um, that that's been talked about to death. So I don't know about this signing. This signing, it's like I would have been a lot happier if they kept those young players they yeah. developed, like Adam said, Alawai McIntyre, but they haven't. So they brought in a whole heap of new players that are going to start again. So well, I, I think they did some good stuff just, with regards to getting rid of Reynolds. Unfortunately, get rid of Taylor. He, he was always a your, your good man to have around, but it's going to free up some salary there. Benji Marshall, not the way you'd want it to finish, but I can understand it. I think now... Uh, Chris Lawrence, I understand. Uh, sorry, Chris McQueen, I understand. But yeah, Sam McIntyre, uh, Matt Eisenhuth, I would have been trying to hold on to. Robert Jennings, there was... there was. That's what, just death. Yeah, one wing's always locked up there, but the other one's still... Oh, I think Talau's got it, but as soon as one of them gets injured, yeah, you got Robert Jennings. He's a proven first grader, so I, I have a very like I, I can I, I rate a lot of people's signings, ins and outs. I can't get a hold of this Tigers thing. I, like, is this too much getting out compared to what's coming in? Yeah, that's, so, that's how I have it, but um, they could. They've, they've got a plan in place. They have to. Yeah. Professional sports team. Uh, let, so the man in the moment that we're just talking about, Michael McGuire, uh, their coach third year now at West. Uh, his coaching career is pretty impressive overall. Started at Wigan, 2010. In his first season, they won the minor premiership and the grand final. Sean Wayne was actually his assistant, which I found interesting. Wow. 70 games in charge, 53 wins. That'll give you a 76% success rate. He also got coach of the year there. In his second season, uh, they won the Challenge Cup. So in two seasons in the Super League, he won the Grand Final and the Challenge Cup. Then he moved to South Sydney. So in the years 2012, 2013, 2014, 2015, he went prelim, prelim, Grand Final win, and then won the World Club Challenge in 2015. So if you have a look at his first six years of coaching, he'd won two Grand Finals, a Challenge Cup, a World Club Challenge, and got to the prelims twice. And that's a pretty promising start because he came in after John Lang at South. Since um, 2016, things have turned around a bit, but also different teams. So he's been with West since 2019, won, played 40. He's coached 44, won 18, lost 26, success rate of 41. So he's got an overall percentage of 58% win rate and most of the coaches we've looked at have been around the 60 or just above it. He's a coach that knows what he's doing. He doesn't take crap, really. Um, he's inventive in some things he does, although he did look quite one-dimensional at South for the last three years, expecting the Burgess boys to run through the middle of everyone and then play off that. Um, I'm, I'm finding it hard to match up, like I said, the ins for the Tigers with the coach that they have. Although he does want a specific style of team and this is his third year now. He's had time to shape it. He's had time to have an impact on the salary cap. This is what he wants. This is what he wants. And I'm sure he's got a plan based around it. Yeah. So that's the only thing that holds me back by saying this is a bad, bad recruitment that Michael McGuire is doing it because I do respect him. And he's, he's, as Adam just went out, he's proven as a good coach. So that's the only thing I'm like, okay, maybe they do have a plan. If it was other coaches, you know, who aren't as proven as him doing these changes, I'd be like, well, 
that's complete failure. But he's the only thing that's really holding me back and saying it's a failure. So hopefully they can do well under it. All right. Now let's move on to our round one teams that we would select, not our predicted round one teams, the teams that we would select if we were the head coach based on the players available. So we're not going to obviously include Adam Dewey. And let's see how many of these new signings make our starting 17. We will then also run through the depth, which will cover the players that neither of us have selected. Um, you want to take this one away, Jared? See who you got. I yeah, feel like it's going to be one of the teams we are so like pretty different on. I've got Dane Laurie at fullback. David Norfoluma and Tommy Talao, as I said, on the wings. James Roberts. Um, and Moses and by in the centers. Um, I've got Billy Walters and Luke Brooks in the halves. James Tamo, Joe Offerhangali up front with Jacob Liddell, Liddell at hooker. Oh, so, uh, okay. Hmm. Um, Sean Bloor and no, not Sean Bloor. Yeah, that's how you um, Yeah, Sean Bloor and. Sorry, I read that wrong. Luciano Lovilla on the edges with Alex Twal at lock. I think that's his best position. Uh, Michael Cheekamp, Thomas McKayley, uh, Luke Garner, and Stefano Utukamano in the 17th. I've got, I've got crosses all over my page and arrows going this way and ticks here. Oh, man. Uh, one, two, three, four. Look, I straight up dropped that center seven. that you were laughing at. I, I, I can't do it. I can't do I it. I know. We've, we've got seven of the starting 13 the same. But I think out of all the 17 players, I think we've got 14 the same. <laughs> no, more than that. 15 the same. But they're just in different That's not too bad. That's pretty good, actually. That's more than I expected. I had, right. yeah, Dane Laurie at fullback. I had uh, Asukapoa on one wing and David Norfoluma on the other wing. Um, James Roberts and Leilua in the centres. <laughs> now, that is, if, if there's ever a uh, example of rocks and diamonds, it's this centre pairing. Like these two, oh, Jesus. These two could That's score do six it. tries one week or they could let in six tries. I, I couldn't do it for that reason. And do you know what? It's not even the six tries and that. It's so much drop ball. Oh, yeah. And bad defensive reads on both sides. And look, I really hope that James Roberts is not next to um, Norfoluma because Norfoluma will not touch the ball the entire season. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a risk it for the biscuit kind of guy. <laughs> I just like speed. That's a speedy back on. Uh, um, I'm with you in the Haas, Billy Walters and Luke Brooks for me. See, I had Alex Twal and Thomas McKayley up front. I think that's going to be the youngest, strongest punch to get him started with Jacob Little at hooker. Luciano Leilu and Joe Offengawi on the edges and Luke Garner at lock. So you don't have your the captain fifth, starting the fifth, again. The fifth team, the captain <laughs> starting. I'm just Adam, saying, stop coaches, taking you're, the going fifth, stop, mate. you're going to stop picking captains based on leadership skills oh, and not skills. He, he is the best front row they got in that squad. Yeah, no, he was one he of the was... meter readers last year. Yeah, and he's one of the best offloads. Everyone pumped up James Fisher-Harris last year. He was so underrated up front for Penrith. Oh, yeah, he was so good. He was ridiculous. Yeah. It's a young <laughs> movement at the Tigers. 
So my bench is Moses Mbai in 14, James Tamo, Sean Bloor, and Michael Cheekham. And my 18th man is Tommy Talao. Easy. You didn't get old Stefano in there. No, I couldn't. So the depth, which is pretty much everyone apart from Stefano, um, Tuikamiya Simpkins, Jake Simpkin, Alex Safar, Russell Packer, Zane Musgrove, Jock Madden, Adam Dewey, uh, suspended, and Zach Sini or Chini. So not a lot of household names on the bench. Those who um, follow the league a bit will will have a greater understanding of Alex Safar, Zane Musgrove, Jock Madden, etc. I think you picked a safer team than I did, a more seasoned team and probably a team that's going to be more consistent over the long run. Uh, I, I am, I'd be 100% okay with Alex Swole being at lock. I think Luke Garner has to start. And so that would yeah. put off Ngawi at proper on the bench for me. I can deal with that. I can live with that. I like the fact we both agreed on Walters at six. Um, yeah. I, I just think Asu Kapoa needs to have a have a crack. And if you're going to take Leilua or Roberts out for Talao, I don't mind. I'd actually see Roberts probably being the one who missed out due to the Jesus. fact of being a new signing. And he, well, look at how many players that, Michael Maguire got rid of. If he wanted to get rid of Leilua, he could have got rid of Leilua. So there'd be a hundred. Um, so you got Luciano in the other second row spot. Yeah. You? Yeah. So despite my obvious criticism of BJ Leilua, they've actually have been training in the off season with Luciano and BJ standing next to each other. Oh, I like that. The, you like that as a yeah. opposing team? No, I just like the fact that every time BJ tries to do something stupid, he's got a big second, a big little brother in there to smack him around the head. <laughs> who's your Who's your player to watch this year for the Tigers? I've actually got two for opposite Cheetah. ends of the opposite end of the reason reasoning. One's Luke Brooks. I think with Benji Marshall gone, he's finally got to step up and actually take control of this team and lead them to a final series. Yeah, it's nothing like being halfback of the year. Yeah, he's got to do better. He's got to get them to the final series. On the other side, there's Billy Walters. I think they've got to get him decent game time. And look, if Luke Brooks can actually control everything around the field, direct, do all that kind of the right stuff he throws to as a halfback, Billy Walters is so elusive and quick, and like he's got a pair about him. Yeah, he's got a pair about him. He's going to hit the line hard at six. He's got a good passing game. He doesn't have to think. He just has to play, which I really hope they can unlock him because he's got so much potential. Who's yours? I got Thomas McKayley, hence why I put him at prop. Weapon. Weapon. He, he, I, I still think he's underrated. He's off, con- mm-hmm. he's off contract, so he's in a contract season. He's played 50 club games now, so he's experienced enough. He was in the Maroons... Maroon's emerging squad and making his debut round one 2019. So he's played pretty much every game since he made his debut. He's 190 centimeters and 109 kilos. He's a big, strong, fast. He's one of those boulder on um, legs. He reminds me of uh, Fodawaka from the Titans. Uh, similar sort of mold, not, not as uh consistent yet with regard to his offloads but 
um, as a Maroons fan and us um, having a lack of depth in the forwards over the, the last off, however many years, it's just been covered up with the All-Stars in the back line. Really exciting to get this guy and Potter Waker in the same squad and start building this new forward pack. Really like how this guy plays. But again, he was one of the victims last year of the inconsistency with selection. He was starting, he was benched, and then it, um, even on the bench, he was getting very limited minutes. So really excited. It's not ex- it's not often you say exciting with the prop position. And he does more than just solid hit-ups. So he, he adds a bit of X factor, I think. Yeah, I, so, I agree with that. He, he, he's good be around for a long time. He's one of those players like Alex Twal who, if they were playing for the Roosters or Melbourne or Broncos, one of the high yeah, profile players. Everyone would know about him. Everyone would know about him. He'd be playing rep teams, but yeah. That's I love right. Alex. Cool. Yeah. No, I just, I just like Alex Twal, but yeah. What do the Tigers have to do to get into the finals? They've been missing for a fair few years now. Ninth is there. Bogey. Yeah, their bogey position. Can they get past ninth? Can they get into the top eight? What do they have to do? As I said, Luke Brooks needs to step up and they need to have the same team on the field. Like we said, consistency is key for them. Same team on the field for majority of the season and figure out what you're going to do with Moses Embi. Like, seriously. That's what they need to do is have consistency and actually have a team on the field for multiple weeks in a row, which they haven't been doing for the last three years. And it hasn't been the injuries sometimes as well nah. in the selection. I, I, unlocking Moses and Bayer again is the key. He, he played his best footy at the Bulldogs at fullback. And it's kind of all, it, that earned him the Maroons gig. And it's kind of, it plateaued and then it's steadily, or slowly gone downhill. Um, when I look at this team and there's there's not much disagreement with us with regards to the forwards, I think this is a team that's not going to play through the middle to swing it wide. I think they've got to continue to do what was successful for them last year and attack by the edges. Luciano Leilua last season and whoever was in the other second row position throughout the year, whether it be Garner or Eisenhuth, etc., they were the ones, the beneficiaries of that movement through the middle because they're so big, so strong and so damaging with regards to timing and angles that I think they have to continue to do that. And then now that they've, again, consistency, if they can unlock the other side of the field, because if teams were able to stop those edges, you pretty much just double teamed Norfolk Luma's side. He was that good that he scores anyway. But if, Kapoa or if Talao can take that next step and give them dual threats on either wing, they're, they're going to be a pain in the ass sort of team to verse. Maguire's going to get the, the toughness into them. Um, yeah, I, I see this team as an edge running pack yeah. that needs to balance the back line. If they can do that, I think, it, it I think they'll have, they're, that yeah, they ha- they'll have to rely on speed. Because I would say that they would have close to the smallest forward pack in the competition. But they're mobile and fit and yeah. talented. That's exactly right. So I think that's what he's going pack. for. But that means Dane Laurie at fullback has to be like everywhere. For his for that, one week that he'll be there. Yeah, for that consistency, for that game plan to work. And 
the halves have to take their opportunities um, for that game because small mobile means that you're putting the play of a team on the back foot, and if your halves aren't taking every opportunity given to you when you're when the Fords are doing their job, it's not going to work. No. So that Luke is big on Luke Brooks this year, it really is. When Dewey comes back. Do you keep Laurie at fullback, put Dewey in the centres with either Talao Roberts or Leilua? I think with the mobile forward pack, like I just said, the way they're playing, Dane Laurie's more suited to that. Adam Dewey's more of a ball-playing fullback to me. So Isn't that what you want, going off the back of a pack? No, I'd rather a runner. Someone's, I'd, I'd rather Matt Dufty running off a small pack than a, well, Adam Dewey. Yeah, but if you're going runner. to be a ball-playing fullback, you've got to take it to the line to start with. Otherwise, it's just a wasted pass. Well, I just think it's more of a backup option. Like, you're, you're there for every offload. You're there for every inside ball. I think Dewey is tries to do too much with the ball for that to work. I think yeah, right. he needs to be... I think you need the fullback who's going to hit every single hole, no matter the thing. Um, you've got Billy Walters to play that hybrid ball running, ball, ball playing slash running player. Mm. I think Dewey's more suited to the center centers, but right. bought, yeah. How about this back line then? Dane Laurie at fullback, Asuka Poa on one wing, Tommy Talao, Adam Dewey, David Norfoluma. So you're getting rid of Roberts and Lua. Oh, yeah, I like it. Actually, I, I like it just more. Yeah, just because they're, they're, all those players blend a bit better. Mm. Um, Leilua's sort of play is going to try and run over people where finesse will suit their game plan a lot more. And James Roberts is the runner, but he's not going to put Noel Faluma in any position to switch. Which he wants to run around instead yeah. of yeah. So cool. if you have centres who are going to play both sides of the ball, no, not both sides of the play both sides of running and passing who know when to do it, which I don't think Roberts and Lailua have in them, that means you're going to be a lot better. All right. Prediction. Where are the Tigers going to finish? Say it. 13th. Oh, I was going to say, I've, I've got them 9 to 12. No, nah, i got them 13. Got I just... pack, a, pack a four just outside the eight again. Yeah. It, it will be. That that will that, They'll surprise a lot of teams this year. They'll just won't be able to do it when it matters. Yeah. All right. Moving on to the season preview of the New Zealand Warriors. And I really enjoyed putting this one together. It was really fun. Talking about a team that just had a hell of a lot of outs in the West Tigers. Wait till you hear the list of the Warriors. It is (laughs) insane. It's crazy. Anyway, New Zealand Warriors established 1995. Zero premierships, zero wooden spoons. Captain for possibly the very last time, Roger Tuivasa-Shek. 2020 finished 10th on 16 points, 8 wins and 12 losses. And their average loss, surprising, not surprising, was 17.7 points, which puts them at third worst. Um, out of the 16 teams. And you can see reasons for that. And I'm sure we'll discuss it briefly because we discussed it a lot last year. They had the toughest year out of all teams and a finish in 10th to me. 
was very impressive. They came together as a unit. Roger Tuivasa-Shek did an outstanding job as captain. Todd Payton did a fantastic job with them off the field for the second half of the season. <clears throat> He's now off at the Cowboys, obviously. Uh, their new coach is Nathan Brown. We'll get to him shortly. I agree with Jared to, in some way in that Roger Tuivasa-Shek is asked to do too much. I expect that to change this year. Bloody hope so. Yeah, to me, and uh, to me, they were impressive. I think if you're a Warriors fan, you you wouldn't say anything more than proud uh, uh, with how they handled themselves and how they competed in a season where they were more disrupted than anybody else. Yeah, so the Warriors last year, they had everything else that's going wrong with them, but they still played well. So I'm, I just hope they can bring that same kind of backs to the wall attitude. I will say that it, it, it's very tiring having that attitude, but with the team they've got, they've, it's full of a, well professionality, really, yeah, and ability. Yeah, no, this team's like all. I'm looking at the team I've got there, and you've got a really good mix of old and young, where the old players are really experienced and they can handle going through everything they're going to go through because they are in Australia already right now. So there, there's no date when they're going to go home yet. So they're it's in a going very to be, nice um, part of Australia. Yeah. yeah, it's going to be very interesting. But look, the team I've got, Jesus Christ, on paper. Now, <sighs> we, during this offseason, and, and yeah, I think some of these happened during last season as well, we were so focused on the ins of the Warriors because they just kept coming up with player after player after player. I didn't realize how many outs they had. And albeit three of these were players who were on loan and then signed. So they'd only been in the club for a year or less, but even so they're on the list. Sorry. So ins for 2021, Ewan Aitken, Kane Evans, Adam Fanua Blake, Marcelo Montoya, Ben Murdoch Masilla, Shane, sorry, Sean O'Sullivan and Bailey Sirenen. All current NRL players, all current NRL standard. Um, Sean O'Sullivan, I guess, the one with the the circle around him due to lack of game time. But these outs. Whew. Daniel Alvaro, Lachlan Burr, Huasa Farmasili. So Alvaro Farmasili, both loans from last year. Blake Green, Patrick Herbert, Jack Hetherington, George Jennings, Adam Kieran, Tane Milne, Ignatius Parsi, Isaiah Papalihi, Nathaniel Roach, and then Jared Beal and Adam Blair retired. That's a lot of people. Uh, Lachlan Burr, Patrick Herbert, Isaiah Papalihi, the three that were getting the most consistent game time in the previous regime. And Jack Hetherington making a huge impact when he came over. Obviously didn't re-sign with them. But that's a lot of outs, but their ins are pretty much quality. So yeah. you'd expect, well, I've got, there's seven ins. I've got five of them in my 17. So oh, I reckon they've done the best recruitment all year out of everyone. Hmm. They've, they've had really to because cool. they lost so much, but they've done a really good job. Um, I'm happy with it. The players they've brought in, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just having a look in their outs. There's one, two, three, four, five, 
there's five of those outs that I've put in starting 17s or going to uh, for the other clubs. And a third yeah. of them went out in the Super League as well. All right, so their new coach, Nathan Brown, has had a bit of an up-and-down coaching record, it seems, although there's only really been one stop where he hasn't had a whole lot of success with regards to results. But with regards to blooding young players and giving young, especially local talent, a crack, a lot of those players still in their team now. We're talking about Newcastle. That he has to, I guess, get a pat on the back for the players that, He's given starts to their career and some of them are kicking on. But anyway, he started his coaching career uh, at St. George, 2003 to 2008, 151 games, 80 wins, 71 losses, so 53%. And him leaving was a bit of a slap in the face, I guess. Uh, oh, really? Yes! Like, really? How long have you been waiting for that? Oh, about 12 seconds. Okay, so anyone who doesn't understand it is YouTube, but Nathan Brown slapping and then you're Brent Barrett. That's great. Uh, 2009 to 2012, he moved to the Super League with Huddersfield, 131 games, 76 wins, win rate of 58%. So we're getting better. St. Helens, win rate of 63%. Grand final win with them. Challenge Cup final with Huddersfield in his first season there. And then he came back to the NRL. Newcastle Knights, 2016, 2019. 94 games coach, 24 games won. 69, <laughs> lost 26% success rate. <laughs> and uh, we all know the quote that Jared brought up a few episodes back about the mess that he had to fix up after Wayne Bennett left. And he did a pretty damn good job getting the Knights to a point where they were challenging for a finals position and then made that finals position last year. Uh, recruiting players to the club. I believe he was still in charge when they recruited Clemmer and yep. Mitchell Pierce. Yep. Um, Aiden Guerra. Tim Glasby, Kalen Ponga. Um, a lot of players. He brought a lot of players in. He gave debuts to... Fitzgibbon. Uh, Mitch Fitzgibbon. Theory playing. No, he played for Canberra before. Yeah, right. Um, so he's was... done a lot of. He did a lot of good for that club, and literally, Wayne Bennett's regarded as the greatest coach or, uh, of all time, if not in the top two or three. Nathan Brown put the club in a better position than Wayne Bennett did. Uh, there was not even Craig Bellamy was going to struggle going into the Knights there at that time. I, I think Nathan Brown did a pretty good job for what he had. His last season there, I believe they lost their first two, won their next five, lost their next five, won their next five, something like that. It was five, five, five. And signed a really weird contract and then parted ways with them and has now picked up this job here. So I I, I just have a lot of respect for him, how honest he was all through his thing at nights for his honesty. Like He was just honest the whole time going, look, we're not going to win. The players aren't there to do it. And try my best. And like Adam said, he's with Newcastle, like it seems like wherever he goes, he brings a lot of players with him. A lot of players actually want to play under Brown. So I don't know how well he's gonna go at this Warriors team. He's got the team to do it. He's not in a rebuilding phase at the Warriors. So it'd be interesting how he goes. But yeah, he's yes, a lot a of rebuilding respect. coach, whereas he, he's built this team in one off season and it is a yeah, so um, a decent team. He, he, he'll be always highly regarded at Newcastle. If Newcastle ever is successful in the next couple of years, he should be honoured. 
mm. a little bit in in what they did. This Warriors team, like like Adam said, he's I think this is his last chance as a coach in NRL because he didn't do overly well at the Dragons. Adam just went through what happened at Newcastle. Um, he's on the front foot, moving like at the start now with the team they have. So. I hope he's not. I'm not. I, I hope he's not just a rebuilding coach because he deserves some success. Yeah. So, do you want me to go first, or do you want to go first on this one? Oh, I got this one. Okay. Remember, Lisa Kato is injured. Ah, well, there you go. Okay, so I've got or training. <laughs> Roger Tuivasa Shekhar fullback, obviously, with Mamalo and Fusatua on the wings. I've got Ewan Aiken and Peter Hiku in the centers. With Nick Arima, Chanel Harris Tavita, and in the halves with Adam Fanua Blake, Wade Egan, and Ben Murdoch Masilla up front. Uh, I've got Tohu Harris and Bailey Sirinen in the on the edge. And I've got Jazz Tavega at lock. With Afoa, Jermaine Tamil Brown, Kane Evans. And Sean O'Sullivan on the bench. Ooh. How good is that squad? I love it. We went 15 for 17 with players. Okay. And we went 12 for 13 in starting players. Who, who you got different? Crazy. Uh, well, Ben Murdoch Masilla's been training on the edge the whole offseason. I know, but... I, like, and he's a better edge than he is a prop. Yeah, but you say that, but I couldn't take Katoa or Harris. Off the edges, I think they're better second roles than he could ever be. That's the problem I'm having there. I think he's a better player than Lisa Katoa. Katoa's still learning. Oh. Oh. Did you watch him at all? I I can't wait for him to come back. He's gonna yeah. rip. He's gonna run over people. <laughs> I had everything the same except I had uh, Tanua Brown starting at prop um, with Fanua Blake and I had Murdoch Masilla on the edge with Harris. And you dropped Sirenin. Yeah, Sirenin's on my bench. Um, if Sirenin's on your bench, and well, my bench as it stands for round one is massive. I don't have any yeah. utility on my bench because I see if Wade Egan needs a break, Jazz to Vega goes to um, Hooker, and you can put Sirenin or Harris at lock. They both played there before. This is one of the biggest benches I think I've ever written up. I've got Kane Evans, Bailey Sirenin, Lisa Armour, and Bunty Afoa on my bench. Holy shit. So I've just got Lisa Armour, Bunty Afoa, Fanua Brown, and Adam Fanua Blake just rotating, basically. And um, oh, and Kane Evans if you need him. And then Sirenin going wherever. Once Elisa Katoa comes back, I would drop uh, Kane Evans. So... Katoa and Sirenin would be on the bench with Armau and Bunty Afala. And Evans would be your 18th man. That's crazy big. Yeah. I think that's, like that's the, awesome. the, the weakest part of this team to me are either the halves or the centers. And yeah. they're not even horrible. They're just not flashy like us. Chanel Harris Avita was really good last year. And he's Yeah, I, I actually. So you got Mamalo and Fusatua size. That's I'm actually kind of happy with Aiken and Hickory okay. calm yeah. stuff down in that in that in that back line. Like you That's just got explosiveness defend. everywhere. Defend and, and give the ball to those guys. Yeah. 
So Aitken, I'm really excited because I, I've always rated him. He really went off, went away from what he like, how good he can be at the Dragons. I think a new atmosphere is going to really, he can really yeah, right. go well. But now, my player to watch. Oh wait on! I'm, I'm going to go through the depth first. Okay, yeah, this is because I'm not going to. This is the second team I actually had to write positions down next to because they can cover almost the whole field. So you've got Tom Ali in prop, Rocco Berry at fullback, Josh Curran. Uh, we didn't even mention he had a pretty good nah. game at Indigenous. Um, second row, Jackson Frey, another prop, Jack Murchie, second row. Uh, remember him from Canberra? Yeah, real good player. Um, yeah, real good. Sean O'Sullivan, halfback. Waze Perham, 5'8". Adam Pompey, centre. Paul Turner, halfback. Marcelo Montoya, winger. Carl Lawton, hooker. And then this guy, this to me could be the biggest X factor in the whole comp. He's only going to get a crack if Mamalo or Fusatua get injured. But Junior, Ritava, Ritavu, Ritava, Looks nuts. He's a winger. They signed him away from the Melbourne Storm. And how, how, uh, tell me if you've heard this before. Melbourne Storm sign a Fijian rugby union player and bring him to the Storm development squad as a, to train him as a winger. Oh, shit. Ring a bell? Oh, shit. Um, Suasu Vinavalu said this guy's bigger and faster. He is. He played for King's College in Auckland, one of the top union schools in New Zealand. He was a flanker or a lock. <laughs> he's a hundred ten. He's hundred and ten kilos, hundred ninety six centimeters. If you look up his highlights on YouTube, there are games where he gets the ball at centre and runs around the pullback, uh, runs around the wing and fullback, and they don't even touch him. He is so quick and big. I, to me, this looks like I've written down here the one that got away with a question mark with regards to Storm. This had just <laughs> Susi, 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 bloody hell, Vunavali written all over him. And yeah. so I had to look him up to see who he was. And then I just kept looking and looking, looking. Going, wow, man. If he gets a crack, oh boy. Sounds really well. He, he looks good. Um. Anyway, player to watch. That's not my player my ones, because I don't see him starting. But. My ones was the biggest loss, I think, for the Warriors last year and Jazz Tavaya being injured. So, in the last couple of years, everyone's oh, loved I got, Brandon. I've got to say, that's a boring answer. No, it's not. Everyone has loved, in the last couple of years, Brandon Smith and um, Victor Radley. This guy's the original Brandon Smith and... Yeah, he okay. was around before then. He hits just as hard as them. He could play hooker and he runs. Oh, I, I love him. I already so good. And he he's just creates that X factor in the middle. And I actually think he could have more of an impact for Storm than Brandon Smith had. For, oh, sorry, more of an impact for Warriors than Brandon Smith had oh, for yeah. Storm. I yeah, really do he's think. He's brilliant. He's got one of the best yeah. cling techniques in the game. He's one of those guys that just cuts cuts people in half. Yeah. Just look around and see where their legs went, and to Vegas just buried him. And, and, he can play, and he can transform himself during the game depending on where the game is. Like, if you need that guy to take that shit run up the middle, if you need someone to take the big hit, like you said, but he's got the hands for himself too. Like, he can throw that silky bar. 
he's so underrated in this NRL system mm. that he can create havoc to any team he plays for. And he's such a nuggety little dude. It's awesome. Yeah. I only say it was a boring answer because we both rate him so highly. And yeah. we're, we're not really looking for anything more because we know what we know what he brings. Uh, I've got another big name player. and But I, got, I went with one of their new signings. And, and the moment he was mentioned at coming back. Sorry. The moment he mentioned I was coming back, I thought it was a uh, signing. And then I read into what he'd done overseas. Ben Murdoch Masilla. Mm-hmm. Now, I had in my head that he played the whole Super League over there with a the top team. And uh, he played for Salford, se- didn't he? Yeah, for the second half that he did. But when he first went there, yeah, he was playing for Salford, who were, who were newcomers. He's 30 years old now, so he knows his game inside out. He's still deemed to be in, in the peak of his career if he's playing prop second row. He's 186 centimetres, 114 kilos. He scored 22 tries in 60 games for Salford uh, in 2016-17. So it's not generally a second row putting up those sort of numbers in a team that's kind of lacking. He, The fact that when he was in the NRL playing for Tigers and Penrith, he was playing pretty much as a prop. Um and a bit of second row, but the fact that he's trained and played almost exclusively second row, I, I see that as a big change. He's a lot more mobile than I remember, and I, I can see him doing a fair bit of damage. He's not the biggest, as in height, but I, I still see him doing a fair bit of damage on the edge, and I will not put my hand up to be a second row who has to tackle him, or a half. <laughs> I, I can see him hurting people, and... <laughs> Him getting a him getting some early ball off a Fanua Blake run on an edge that's that's just going to create carnage. What do the Warriors have to do to get into the finals this year, or to improve? They just play to their potential. They don't need COVID. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. That. Like, I, I, I'm just mainly just basing on the on the team. If they play to the potential of what we can see them on this like paper, of the qualities in, in the attributes of each individual player, they they have the potential to be top four. Like the squad yeah, they, they have there, like it is scary. I I see them bottom four of the eight just because they're the Warriors and they can. Yeah, well, how many there. times have we said yeah. something like that about the Warriors? So. I see that, but look, they have the potential to do anything. Anything. The Warriors each year, well, not each year, but every time they have a good team, we talk about how good their forward pack is. Yeah. And you go back and look at some of the forwards I had, Ruben Wiki, Owen G- Guttenbeal, uh, Michael Luck, um, Simon Mannering, however many. I-, I think this has the potential to be one of their best forward packs of all time. Um, they're-, they're lacking star power, I guess, in the halves that they've had before in Stacey Jones, Sean Johnson, um, and even in the centres. But I, I 100% agree. To, to They've got depth. They've got a big, strong, mobile, fit, experienced forward pack with a massive bench. And, and one thing that Nathan Brown's going to do, and we talked before with regards to development, he's still got some young halves they're going to need developing. And you've got some young backs that are going to need developing to fill holes if they have them. But if they want to challenge for finals, 
Nicarima and Chanel Harris-Tavita have to have their best games more often than they did last year. And I know that was hard because they were, they're still young and they were getting, and, but they, they know each other now. They know how each other plays. They had some cracker games last year. They need to take their, their partnership to a new level. And I'm going to say Nathan Brown needs to bring the squad together because they've got so many new faces, but I don't, I think that's going to happen naturally based on what we saw last year and what the other players had to go through. So yeah, to me, to get to the finals, halves, take it to another level, control the middle as any club does. I'm not too worried about that. And then just, yeah, play, play to your potential consistently. And this team, their results will look after themselves. I've got them in the five to eight range, same as Jared bottom half of the top eight and I'm probably going to jinx them right now, but I think I'm actually confident about the Warriors. I don't know if anyone's ever said that. Uh, we'll be right back to wrap this up for you. Alrighty. We're back to sign off. Uh, we've only got, I think four teams left to go. Penrith Panthers, Parramatta Eels, Melbourne Storm and Canberra Raiders. Uh, we'll be recording again Wednesday night, dropping for you Thursday morning. Uh, just a reminder, every time we post an episode, there's links to our Twitter, where we're the most interactive. Uh, Facebook links there. You can check us out on YouTube. Merch site's still coming. We're waiting on our first shipment of shirts. Uh, stickers are available, all that sort of stuff. Um, so, yeah, we're staying busy, busy. And keep pushing this forward and looking forward to the season. In just, what, just under what three weeks' time? Yes, yeah, it's, it's getting there. Yeah, two and a half weeks, 11th of March, kickoff. So, another round of trials next weekend to look forward to. And, and see you then. Yeah, the big, the, that'll be bigger trials because actual, like this weekend of trials, there weren't many NRL standard players playing in all of them. Next weekend, they're all getting named. So, it's going to be pretty more something to watch out for next week. Yeah, positions, um, partnerships, all that sort of stuff. So can't wait for it. Have a good week at work, Jared. I'm going to go to bed. Yeah, same with me. See you, mate. Bye. See ya. Thank you for tuning in to Six Again. Connect with the show on Twitter, Instagram, and the Six Again website. All links via the show's bio.